back to the back beat. Today we are chatting to Jazz Yates, who has her own management group. She's got her own podcast. She's just started. She's got a bunch of things going on, um, working with local Melbourne Australian artists, and we love her stuff. So say hello. Hello, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, <laughs> good. Very How have you been? How have I been? Yeah. I've been. Um, Oh, you want the honest answer? Yeah, go on. <laughs> not, Absolutely. Not so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this lockdown, as everybody has felt, uh, like, because where I'm in Melbourne, yep. um, has just been rough and um, really hard. And for the music industry in particular, we're seeing a lot of changes happen this lockdown. And um, just within this, like, culturally, but then also for venues and um yeah trying to plan next year has been such a a, a mental shift <laughs> in yep. a lot of ways so i'm i'm good today but yeah the honest answer is interesting yeah. <laughs> it's a good word for it it's a generic yeah. call all think, you know yeah. i think absolutely everyone can relate to that 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. but at least at least we're opening we're opening at the end of this week which is scary touch with but exciting yes touch wood yes (laughs) yeah and I think that's sort of what made today good was it was sort of okay here's the start of the the light at the tunnel we can actually see it yes yeah it's not just like coming soon yeah Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) big things coming (laughs) you have to be double vaccinated and you have to be kind (laughs) oh my god yes oh my god as a hospitality uh industry worker I'm Stressed, <laughs> to oh, say the least. Yeah, yeah I feel like they're just going to have to provide you training, hey, on how to handle just a myriad of different um, circumstances. But Honestly, that whole are you double vaccinated? And then people being like, no. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. no winning whatsoever. No, no. no. But, um, I've I've managed to rally my coworkers and being like, well, after every shift, we'll just have to go to the pub. You know, we'll just, we'll just have, have to. to. Yeah, have to. <laughs> How else are we going to unwind? Culture. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what I'm striving for. <laughs> oh man! All right, back to you, Jazz. Um, we'd love to know um, how you got into artist management, um, and have you always wanted to work in the music industry? Yeah. Well. I'll, I'll go with the, f- the funny version of this story because mm-hmm. I feel like we need something to uplift us. <laughs> I, um, I was in, when I was in high school, I was definitely a music nerd. Um, I got into music extension when I was in high school. So, you know, knew how to play the flute relatively well. <laughs> um, and I was a singer. And I also was a, like super into drama. So if you can imagine me just walking around being like, hi guys like with the jazz kids going yeah. up like yeah and everybody being like okay jazz is here um, <laughs> um yeah that was like me as um as a kid you know growing up in high school and I got an opportunity when I was in drama classes to be behind the stage and really be in charge for the first time in my whole life um and I actually really found that super rewarding um I also found the time management and you know being responsible for things really um helped me to thrive so when I was looking at you know what I wanted to do when I left um high school that is (laughs) um Mm -hmm. I I actually at the time was wanting to be music producer so I always had something music I wanted to do 
but I was like, that sounds like that's a lot of sitting down in front of a desk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I wanted to really be hands-on. So I was like, well, I love management and or managing people and being connected to them. Um, so, yeah, sort of went and did a Bachelor of Entertainment Management um, in Melbourne. I actually grew up in the Gold Coast, so we moved. And, um, yeah, got to sort of get every aspect of the industry and then finally it was like, okay, definitely artist management. And I actually started the company while, or the business, while I was actually at uni, which was really, really rewarding. And you studied at AIM, Yeah. Yeah, at AIM, yeah, the Australian Institute of Music. So it was it's super, such a time. It's super funny because um, me and Jamil actually met studying entertainment management at CollArts um, in 2018. Wow. So we've all studied nice. the same course. That's yeah, like, you're, our, um, you're our rival school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. hey. We're going to fight. You know what's super funny, though, is now, um, you know, hopefully AIM don't hear this, but I actually, when I look for interns, I look for the ones at Call Arts. Yeah. You didn't hear that, end. Like, in, in all reality, I think that comes from more, like, Call Arts has a more accessible space in regards to looking for people and interns and, like, there's actually somebody right now to talk to. Yeah. Whereas AIM has forever had, like, huge, um, like, shifts in who's in charge and all that sort of stuff. And right. that was definitely a barrier while I was um, there. It was sort of just mm-hmm. always, like, Sorry, who who's the head of what now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be so frustrating. Yeah, at Call Arts, there was definitely a lot of connections. And even if you weren't getting much from the courses itself, just that networking alone could have mm. could get you however far you want to go, you know, like or rubbing yeah, shoulders exactly. with, with some big big names. So um Yeah. And I, I think it was really important to um to have the perspective of every part of the industry as well like I know how to write my own tours now and like run my own tours I know how to read legal documents and all that sort of thing and like in real life as a manager or even if you're doing events management Mm -hmm. it's so important to know all of that and even down to like sync deals and how that works like I can just list it to anybody who asks, which yeah. is like, I feel like that was worth it just in itself because people do argue about whether uni's worth it. And I'm like, that that's why it's worth it. Because <laughs> I know my shit. Like those legal courses <laughs> and like learning all that jargon, I feel like it's it would be a hard thing to just pick up as you're going. Oh, yeah. Um, I reckon that's probably the most I got from call arts, like the legal the uh, the legal courses, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Which is ironic because I remember sitting in those legal courses and being like, "We are never going to use this." <laughs> I'm so bored. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this boring guy teaching me this boring thing? Contracts. Who it? cares? Yeah. <laughs> or I don't know about you guys, but I definitely got like legal was one of them. My artist management course was one of them. But like, there's a few different um, classes that I did where I was sitting in there and my jaw would just drop. I'm like. Are you kidding me? That's how the industry actually runs. Like, seriously? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think even just the management um, clause where some managers take their, like, 20% commission, mm-hmm. some of them mm-hmm. comes from, like, the the musician's IGA job and things like that. Yeah. Like, no way. People say yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's just so much more to working in the industry than you you kind of think from the outside. I don't think you can really get it until you're 
you're in the thick of it or you're you're rubbing shoulders with people in the industry 100 percent yeah definitely yes. as she downs a monster energy drink <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> sponsored. So, so is like with all of that in mind, is that kind of what your your eight week program was meaning to provide for people? Yeah, I think I personally left uni and started managing, you know, new and emerging bands and saw this huge gap of artists coming to me being like, I need a manager. Um, we need to be managed and because we're here and, you know, in, in all reality, they 95% of the time come to you way too early. Um, like they're, they're not making any money. And most of my, the artists that I work with full time now, you know, don't make the sort of money that is going to mean that I can do it full time. So it's always an investment. But yeah, um, I was definitely seeing a huge gap in between where they thought they were or wanted to be and where it was actually going to be marketable and something that I could actually, you know, sign on for. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I created the eight-week program to sort of fill that gap and, like, make sure that the artists that I was working with and anybody that I connected with with the eight-week program was getting those foundations straight off the bat and it's sort of the foundations of, like, you know, writing goals and setting timelines and having a direction and then branding and making sure that like that branding is just hitting the mark straight off and not, um, you know, being trial run as you go. Mm, Um, and then, yeah, like putting that into a release format and going, okay, we're learning about how to interview or we're learning about how to, um, like, do a social media timeline and actually be in front of, you know, your own brand yeah. and that sort of thing. So it's super rewarding. And I think a lot of the clients that well, all the clients have worked with on it, they've just gone like, this has meant that we can then confidently be like, this is what we're building on each time and not just going, well, maybe we'll do this. <laughs> it might complement the music. I don't know. <laughs> do you find that a lot of the, the bands and the artists you work with, do they end up going off, without a manager feeling confident enough to like manage themselves that's a really good question I think I actually have an a um like a three-month program that happens after I work with them or like I offer it to them after mm-hmm. and they tend to want to use that because I think they can basically at the end of it I teach you to the point where you can basically take anything that we've worked on and just reuse it for the next one or that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but what a lot of my clients find at the end of it is why they want to do the three-month program or continue to work with me is partly why most of my full-time clients love me is because it's the accountability it's sort of like them coming back and me being like so what have you done yeah why haven't you done that I don't like that excuse find another one (laughs) you sound like my therapist (laughs) that's exactly what I'm getting at (laughs) I think most of the time the bands call it my band mum and uh, yeah (laughs) and it's 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 helpful for them because you know like juggling part-time jobs and the band you can't always have that focus unless there's somebody that you have to be accountable for Mm. so they really enjoy that and then also those like having me for when they have those very random like industry questions where you're like I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that and I'm usually like I'm pretty sure you're not (laughs) (laughs) so what are the uh like the key issues that you find them facing 
Branding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight off the bat. I think um, branding is such a huge part of a, of a band's um, makeup and how like it's 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 basically the difference between a successful band and a band that's going nowhere like if you have two bands that have incredible music side by side and one band's getting further most of the time it is because they have branding that works and that works for everybody and I think that comes from particularly we are getting like bands or artists their their music and their voice heard or the opportunities seen through visual content and you're not really going to opt in for something unless you've visually seen it Mm. now um so we use branding now with um my clients at least to sort of help our audience sort of come on a journey with us and in a lot of ways where we can try and link whatever release we've got going into a sort of branding style so that when our audience scrolls through social media in their algorithms and hopefully we're posting enough that it gets through Mm. that they go oh there's that orange oh hang on I've got to stop because I've got to look at that band and they they just like social like socially recognize it yeah um and sort of it makes them stop and think and I think those bands that have figured that out and figured out you know the voice that they want to have online and how much they want to be in front of the camera and their face is a part of the, the band um like that's what sells music now and it's a shame because it means that the music's not number one mm. in, um, but you sort of can't have one without the other nowadays. Well, you're going to see something before you hear anything, so, yeah. Exactly, and you've almost, and they do say marketing, you've got to see it three times before you actually action it, so. Yeah. That's why we post so much. <laughs> yeah, we are terrible at that. We're about to employ yeah. one of our one of our team members to basically be our marketing manager we need a and podcast manager. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. And you know, it's really funny because I will tell bands when we go to release that like we have a social media timeline and we will try and stick to it. It's like posting two to three times a week or in the like the week before and after release. It's every single day mm. and like. I can't even do that. <laughs> it's so hard to practice what you preach, but yeah. um, it's it's playing into the algorithms and and like seeing what the trends are and trying to to match that so that we're actually optimizing a release in the best way that we can and not just going, oh well, we released it, we spent money on PR, but we didn't actually promote anything that they did for us, and yeah. and like you know it hasn't really gone anywhere because we didn't do any ads either, which was sort of pushing people towards our Spotify, and people didn't really even know that the release was on. We're like, it's because you did. <laughs> you got to talk about it, guys. <laughs> you got to tell them. <laughs> you've got to you've got to brag about it. Basically, I actually yeah. call it social proofing, where you're just sort of like proving socially that like I'm important. I've got cool things on. Like I'm you, worth your time. Exactly. Yeah. And like you see the Triple J like logo on somebody's band stuff and you'll stop and you'll scroll back yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. People, you so. see that little red drum or that little green drum and you're like, oh, oh hello. hello, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. so true though because you, you, I feel personally I like to follow bands and artists who kind of give a little bit more, you know, whether they're like doing vlogs on their Instagram stories or they're putting up stupid TikToks, like you're getting a bit more of a glimpse into them. And then also, of course, their music as a whole, you know, I I, I feel like... It's the relatability again. Yeah, artists doing that uh, miles ahead, streets ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and also you can you remember them easier. And mm. I think a really good band that does that for me, who I always remember, who I was for some reason brag about, is Waxflower. I don't know if you've ever yeah, heard of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do it so well. They do. I've never seen them live. I like ashamed to admit, but I don't really like like actively listen to their stuff on Spotify. Yeah. But damn, do I know their branding. Like, yeah, it's so much pink. Like, yeah. Or, or like so much green, depending on what like yeah. the release they've done or whatever. Yep. And it's like, it's great. Like it just works. And to the point where there must be actually, I was talking with somebody um, else on my own podcast about this. They actually do have creative directors within that band. Like they, that's their natural thing. Yeah. Like God, they, ha- they literally had to be somebody to do that. Cause it's just so well done to the point where I actually share their stuff to my bands and be like, we should do this. This is what <laughs> you should do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you, you buy into that stuff now. It's yeah. what makes you feel like you actually have a connection without ever seeing them live or ever knowing them. <laughs> and that's what peeps, that's what keeps people coming back, 100%. Mm. Yep. Okay, well, oh, the end of that, that road. Um, <laughs> um, my next question was, I guess, along the same lines but more personal to you, um, what are the sort of lessons and roadblocks that you've had along the way in creating your brand and your business and everything? Tricky. Um, <laughs> the best thing I could say is hindsight's a bitch. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always feel like I'm always learning and always adapting and what works for me right now didn't work for me, you know, two years ago or five years ago when I started the business and it won't work for me then, mm-hmm. uh, like, sorry, in the future, mm-hmm. then, just mm-hmm. randomly, then, <laughs> time. 2040. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I think the biggest roadblock that I've come across personally has been um, making sure that I question my business ethos always and um, then question how much I want to charge for services Mm. and um, how much of my time I want to give away and for what value. Um, I have only just started, well, at the start of this year, I really started challenging that because I was getting to a space where I'm like, I can't do my part-time job anymore. I'm just over it. Mm. I'm a a nanny part-time. Yeah. It's like the same role. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the little kids that actually understand. And you're like, I'm like you, you're, you're making a, like a really bad choice, but you don't know because you have no life like you experience. Know, experience. Yeah. Whereas adults that I manage, I'm like, okay, such an interesting choice you got there. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost harder to teach an adult who's already learnt because they get stuck in their ways. They can't mm-hmm. just be put in the naughty corner. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You need a timeout. Reside, you guys need a timeout. <laughs> put your feet away. <laughs> it's like, is that a smart choice? Are you sure? <laughs> um, Wait, so were, were you nannying while COVID was happening? Yeah, and I'm still nannying oh, now. Yeah. So it's, oh, um, that must be so hectic. Yeah, I went and did full-time nannying as well. So I was doing part-time and now I'm full-time at the moment doing homeschooling, um, which running a business after a 50-hour week is 
Yeah. Huh? Tough. Um, yeah. I've done, I've, I've got 70-hour weeks. I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, you too. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, that was one of the, the big like contributing factors for me is because I've always had such high standards for me and my business and where I want my clients to feel like I can, you know, provide them um, my me basically yeah yeah <laughs> um and and my support and so I had to sort of go okay I need to lower that expectation um for myself and for my own mental health and I've you know struggled with that quite a lot of like making sure I'm not beating myself up too much for mm. only being one person mm-hmm. um and then um yeah recently it's sort of going okay well I'm giving too much of myself to this band that's only giving me this amount of money. Um, you know, what are some other processes I can put in place so that I don't have to keep nagging or I don't have to, you know, invest this much time in, you know, post the meeting to follow up with things, um, you know, finding different processes in place and then going, okay, for those clients that are not um, my full time where ah. I give <laughs> my drug so, alarm went off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. Um, and yeah, for those clients that I um, don't, that are, sorry, for those clients that aren't my full time clients and that I, you know, use, I work with one on one, once off or in big chunks, it's sort of going, okay, where does my value sit with that? Um, because I've personally always struggled with, I know the other side of how much it costs to release music and, um, record music and all that sort of thing. And I am always going to be sitting there and being like, you need marketing, you need PR, you need this, you need that. And, um, I've always, yeah, struggled to be like, okay, now you need to pay me. (laughs) Um, and and it's like this much money where I'm like, Ooh, that like means that you're now paying like a few thousand dollars, like, you know, not that I'm, you know, more than a thousand or whatever, but like, you know, it really adds up. Yeah. And we, depending on who you work with, a single release can cost up to like $10,000 sometimes. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, it's, that's a lot, especially if you've got a solo artist, like they can't just front that. No, <laughs> so, just pull it out of thin yeah. air. Yeah. 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 So I think that's been really huge for me in trying to work through that and actually, um, hired one of my good friends, Monica Strutt, um, to Mm. sort of help me, um, sort of mentor me through that and creating some, um, positive structures and challenge me because I've, I've been doing this for five years. So I needed somebody who was going to be like, okay, you can now make it something that's actually profitable. You need to like stop and respect yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned, sort of the sprinkling of, of mental health and prioritizing yourself and things like that. Has that been like, obviously, especially in music, I find in particular, it's obviously a huge thing in the industry and in, in, in song topics and everything like that, people's struggles. And especially with the, the artists that you primarily work with in the heavier industry, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. How, how, how has that gone for you? Yeah. And, and do you get a lot of your artists coming to you for support or, or, mm. um, or wanting a direction of where they could go for support? Mm. 
I love that question. Um, That's actually something that within my own business, I've made a really big effort about. Um, I I think it's good to preface that my mum's a counsellor. So I grew up with Mm. my mum and my dad, who's a life coach, um, basically challenging (laughs) every possible thought and I have. Like if I I have a blockage, like where I'm like, oh, I hate this, they're like, why do you hate this? Yeah, analyse it, (laughs) analyse it. So I've always... Yeah, so I've always been super open to seeing a a psychologist and a therapist and all that sort of stuff, and that was really something that um, was important for me within my business. Um, I've, as I've, uh, to address the owning the business side of things, obviously owning a business is bloody stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've also been in, you know, situations where I've owned multiple businesses and been a nanny, so it's... um, it's been a lot of challenging times. And I think, you know, I've been to counselors and things like that who have helped me through anxiety and being too hard on myself and questioning those doubting thoughts. Um, because I was going through a phase where I was like really hard on myself. Like I wouldn't allow myself any self-care. I'd always feel like I'm not doing good enough. Um, all that sort of thing. So um, I try to be really transparent with to anybody that I talk to about the fact that, we all need help. And, you know, even I at the moment am going through my own things um, where I am asking for help from other people for like to work with that. And so when I work with all of my clients, that is something that's always been really important um, <clears throat> from the get go with all of our contracts before we sign anything. I sort of say, I'm not going to like write this in the contract, but you should all be aware that should at any point I feel like you are not at the right mental state to be going on stage or performing or doing an interview, I will be pulling you out of that situation. Mm. I'm not going to put you in a mental state just for money. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like helped all of my clients from the get go realize that they can have those conversations with me and I do do one-on-one and band check-ins um or like as frequently as I mentally can myself mm-hmm. um to sort of make sure that not only am I making sure that they're okay mentally but then also I have an idea of where they're at in their lives and what's causing them pressure um mm. so that I can then sort of see how that will affect the band like if they're financially under pressure or they're not going through a good time with their partner that's going to affect the decisions that they have within the band Mm. and how they're going to work within the band and all the issues that will come up from that so yeah they're only human yeah exactly so yeah definitely um being open and honest is sort of as is the the motto that I like to keep with the the business and my clients. Just the fact that you're following through on these on these things as well. Like it's so easy to just go out there and be like, you know, look after yourself. Are you okay? Like it's it's so <laughs> easy to you, put on that yeah. facade of like we care, <laughs> like look look for help if you need it, but to actually like follow through and make sure that you know, they know that they've got someone or that they know that they don't have to put themselves through shit mm. you know to survive or to to keep the the band alive um I feel like that's that would be it's so important it's, mm. it should be the, the bare minimum you know I know exactly and I think it's it's hard because we do live within an industry currently that is it is changing its opinion about mental health but um yeah creatives are commonly very vulnerable people and they write about their vulnerabilities and you know I 
a joke that like, you know, lockdown made some of the best songs mm. um, <laughs> for, for my fans and some of the wackest songs. I was like, you were high when you, when you wrote that, right? Um, <laughs> but, like, please um, let me be, let that be the case because this is fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, at the end of the day, they they need to know that there is somebody who's in their corner. And I think I think also it's really important in those manager roles, whether it's a tour manager or a you know day to day manager or general manager, um, that they know that if they need to call it, that there's somebody there who's going to back them. Um, yeah, because it's really important because you also don't know when your mental health is just going to start spiraling as well. Mm. I it feel could like- happen on stage. Like, mm. I'm what? sure that's happened to so many artists. It absolutely – oh, funny enough, um, Reside, I, Dylan. We were t- yeah. yeah. I was about to say we were talking to someone yeah. and they were like – they, like, had a, a breakdown. Yeah. He, um, he at, said at he was gig. having, like, an anxiety attack or something like that, like, mid-performance and he just felt like absolute shit and had to, like, make his way – like, finish the song but, like, couldn't do it. Mm. it was- is that the drummer? Was it the drummer? Yeah, yeah, yeah Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Who and is like, such a sweetheart? Terrifying. I felt so bad. He is. Yeah, he's so beautiful. And you know, I I hope that that happened when I wasn't there because I didn't know about that. But um, he like at the same time, I think what a lot of people don't see is that anybody, any of those artists coming off the stage, if they make more than one mistake, they beat themselves up for mm. it. And mm-hmm. You know, I've had, I always check in with the bands after they've done their sets and most of the time they're like, oh, that was shit. And I'm like, well, the fans loved it. You fucking did <laughs> it though. It. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's almost never going to be the thing that sticks with the the fans or like the mm. the, the gig goers. It's it's always the, the, the best things that happen that stick. Like I can't think of, I can't remember mistakes that like my fave bands have, have made. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, I forget it as soon as it happens. I'm like, yeah. oh, well. You're exactly. like, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can totally see how that um, is such a common occurrence and then um, to find strategies or ways for, you know, artists to figure that out on stage and not be jumping off and just be just like, I need to run yeah. um, <laughs> to get out of the situation yep. is, you know, it's key. I don't... I, I don't think we can not listen to that anymore. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. We've lost too many decent people at this point. Yeah. yeah. It's such a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, going back to uh, talking about, like, branding um, and I guess having a good, uh, a good presence uh, on social media and a positive presence. Um, and awareness. <laughs> yes. Um, it's becoming more common for music fans and artists themselves uh, to call out other artists, other bands for like really bad behavior, lack of accountability, etc. cetera. Um, we've seen it in our own backyard of recent weeks. Um, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, um, <laughs> but um, I'd love to know how you would go about uh, managing a band or an artist that's, in the process of being cancelled, you know, in the process of going through a media shitstorm. God. Yeah, touch wood, touch wood. Oh man. <laughs> That's like 
I nightmare number say one. That would be a fear. Like honestly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I I'm so nervous for um, that ever happening to one of my clients because um, everybody has very questionable. Um, thoughts or opinions about anything (laughs) yeah yes um and there are some bands where you can almost pick that there is going to be something that happens um if you can just smell it yeah (laughs) i don't know you can just smell it (laughs) yeah and then there's you know i've worked with a band before where you couldn't really you couldn't tell but then when they all got together and they all thought that nothing really counted they really just laid into some stuff that I was like, I know you don't mean this and you think it's hilarious, but damn, you know how to pull some, like some stuff out. Yeah. Of the, like, like, I'm like 90% of this conversation could get you canceled. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is really hard. I think um, uh, for those teams of people that are working with clients that are in the process or in that media storm of you know getting cancelled or things coming out I think I'd imagine that would be so hard um yeah like just even leaving a band for me like when I left reside I think that was um really tricky because you've spent so much time and for me so much free time um like building up something and then knowing it gets like shifted and they just they can just keep growing something that you've built Mm -hmm. um it's hard to sit through and um like I like don't get me wrong I wish them nothing but the best I think they're a great band and they're such great people um but it is hard and I think in that case of um bands being cancelled it's so quick and so sudden um that I think I I would struggle to be like what (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry it's like I was booking a tour and now it's all cancelled again um okay how do we work with this and you know it's not like most of their teams are are not you know condoning it or realizing that it's even happening um Mm. if they're condoning it then that's not okay and that they should be wrapped up into that storm I think Mm. um but I think realistically if I was to be a manager within that scenario, it's probably going to be, it would, it would look like let's stop all communications, um, go and consult a lawyer. What are the allegations, particularly if it's around sexual assault and things like that. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, checking if this is correct um, with the yeah. band, um, having the conversations if it is, why it's not, and making sure everybody's on the same page as to why people are having a say about it. Um, and then also where possible, um, looking at the situation from multiple different people's perspectives, yeah. like not just taking my perspective and my privilege and the band's perspective and their privilege and going, okay, if that's affected this community, let's go and find somebody within that community to connect with mm. who's not amped I up. I think that's one of the main things it. that kills bands is mm. they don't take that second to put themselves in a different group of people's um, shoes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like, oh, well, if you don't like it, too bad. don't listen. Yeah. 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 Pretty much when that doesn't have to be the case. You know, it's a very um, dramatic uh I don't know. 
I've just it's um, it's it's kind of blowing my mo- mind in this particular situation as to how legitimately ignorant and aggressive they're being about it. Because mm-hmm. like you, like previous like other people who have had allegations and whatever else come out, usually they either shut the fuck up or they go, <laughs> "Oh yeah, whoops, sorry." Mm. Forgive me, but these guys have like that. None of that. <laughs> like, like there's been no. Thought. It's been really alarming. It's, yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, spe- 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 sorry, specifically, <laughs> who are you actually talking about? Because there's been quite a few different things yeah, happening fair. too recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Primary well, example uh, with oh, we weren't going to name, but we'll name fuck him. Um, Rancid Eddie. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was who we were yeah. talking about. I just wanted to yeah. make sure it was clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's, yeah, you're exactly right. It's sort of just like how was this not obvious to you? Yeah. Um, but then also you've, I really see with anybody that I connect with that they all come from such different backgrounds and that, you know, some things that people pick up on, say, Indigenous rights or they're like, you know, really get behind that. Yeah they may not have that same education or cultural awareness that they maybe got exposure from the Black Lives Matter movement that they would have gotten in, say, um, you know, female violence and yeah. <laughs> all that sort of thing and how, yeah. um, you know, toxic relationships and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I think I haven't looked too far into the Rancid Eddie um, sort of scenario currently, but, um I think there's probably a very interesting story in that, in that, you know, they've, I think I read something that where they came out and they were like, well, we don't believe in that sort of toxic relationship Mm. that they're promoting basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, part of me goes, well, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're not exactly indicating it otherwise. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, lyrics come from somewhere and, you know, if it's coming from a a mate, then sure, that that person probably needs to be educated then about, you know, do you need to move away from this relationship because it is toxic for you or for them or whatever. Um, Yeah, I think it's really hard to see all this sort of stuff and then um people go oh well you should know better it's like well, they don't maybe they don't yeah <laughs> they just don't and I think as long as for me personally as long as it's like not that you can really make it obvious that somebody's learned and changed mm. but to be learning people's perspective and being open to it and understanding that is like the biggest part about that whole experience Mm. and uh, cancel culture I find I I really struggle with it because it's so vicious Um, so quick yeah yeah. and people make one wrong decision like people live and make like make bad decisions and that's okay um and we learn from them and I had a different view about relationships and all that sort of thing five years ago um, than I do now and I'm a lot more aware of where we are socially um with a range of different things even just how we talk about different genders now um Mm, yeah and I don't blame people for not always being up for like with that conversation and I have conversations with people like even my grandma (laughs) I actually challenged my grandma today about her view on certain things um because yeah, unless you talk with them about it and you have those conversations, they're never going to know. They're just yeah. going to 
be continuing to have those thought patterns. And while most of the time it won't seem like it's actually getting through, at least a little bit does. You've done your part, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I I think the the biggest thing about cancel culture is that um, some things do need to be highlighted that it's not acceptable anymore. Mm. And um, I think it now, like, while it sucks in the big picture of, like, those bands that are going through it, I think it does give others that warning um, and it does actually come into play when... Well, yeah, yeah, that's what the call-out is, is making an example of the bad behaviour. And, yeah, and saying this is not acceptable. And I think that has been really interesting where I see that translate with my artists is um, we're making choices based off the fear of getting cancelled or if that may toe the line with something or somebody. Um, And, you know, I'm speaking up on things when I'm like, I don't think we should call them females in the music industry anymore yeah. like, yep. um, and like you know making those choices I think even just gender within the music industry and shows right now is such a challenging um, space mm. and yeah I, I even struggle with it when we look at supports for shows because we're getting judged now for yep. not having diverse lineups which yeah. that's a whole other conversation yeah <laughs> That one starts to get me right up. (laughs) It's, yep. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how different uh, experiences lead to different responses and, and, and getting people's perspectives. Like even like that's the whole point of having these conversations is to just talk about it and and get people's perspective and literally people share. just need to talk more and learn more and listen more you know mm-hmm. yeah like I think the listening is a massive uh, is where the the breakdowns happen you yeah. know like in this particular situation even though they're responding to backlash it doesn't really seem like they're listening they they mm-hmm. just are able to come up with an answer but they're not really taking it in and kind of thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. they're just, it's just responses. It's reacting it's, instead it's, of, yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not a thoughtful thought out. Okay. Now I've taken this in. This is what I've gotten from that. It's like, they've just got it already rehearsed no matter what the question is. I don't know. It just, yeah. it's very surface level. And I think it's, it's not, um, it's not the kind of attitude that's going to last in this industry. People aren't going to let that mm. last. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Anyway, fuck him. Let's move on. (laughs) I'm going to spin the ending of that and say, uh oh, Gabby's frozen. (laughs) That's not where I was going. (laughs) Was I I frozen sculling my monster? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At least she's frozen in happiness and not frozen in death. Oh, she's back. Is she back? She's back. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to spin the end of that one and sort of say in terms of speaking and listening and getting your opinion out there, what inspired your podcast? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I, I'm well, really um, if you can't tell, I'm an extrovert. So <laughs> The trauma kid being an extrovert, who'd have yeah. thought? Yeah, I don't know. I think I really loved that 
I was learning so much from other people around me and um, I really love it when I talk with people and you can see things click in their heads of Mm. like that makes a lot of sense about the industry. Um, I'm going to use that. And I think I, the way I'm structuring the podcast is basically a lot of interviews with people within the industry that I think have some pretty unique or um, good things to say, like good points that they're making. Um, And surprisingly, I think a lot of them will be women, um, which is fantastic. Um, But yeah, I think that's why I started the podcast was sort of, okay, I'm hearing all these amazing things from my friends, my colleagues, and, um, you know, all this amazing knowledge that they're sharing. And I want other people to hear it. Um, and also, you know, growing an emerging artist to hear it because they need more resources that are going to be free for them mm-hmm. to soak in and to, you know, take on board and think about and ha- helping them to question where they're at and not just accept where they're at. Yeah, right. So, I mean. Hun- Sorry, you go. <laughs> no, you go. I was just going to say 100%, uh, one of the favourite, one of my favourite things to come out of doing this podcast is speaking with other women in the industry 100% that's been Mm. my favorite thing and really um really zoning in on their experience because it's I don't know I feel like it's it's not an experience that's shared enough yeah you know 100% I think it's shared behind the doors you know like we obviously have these conversations with each other privately and 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 you know bonding over those facts but yeah, bringing it out into the public and making other communities aware of it is is a new one. Yeah, and and having female perspectives on how certain things are running and not yeah. running. Um, I think the more I talked with other females, the more I surprisingly became aware that, well, yes, there is always and well, there is an issue right now about. Um, women in music and not being treated fairly, it's actually not as big as I had thought it was. And I haven't experienced um, as, you know, such big issues, particularly in that, you know, new and emerging space. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really important for me um, and seeing that and sort of having those perspective of women and other people within, you know, any gender within the music industry, um, seeing them talk about what they our expert expertise in and getting across the line that whole ethos of it, your music is your business and um yeah getting that across the line to people of like just you've got to just treat it like a business now you can't like what's the point if you're you know gonna spend all that money like treat it as a business for god's sakes <laughs> you're a professional <laughs> exactly and a lot of bands don't get that yeah and they're like why isn't it working and i'm like well we just want to make music because it's it's not a side hustle guys it's <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah um yeah well as we're coming out of lockdown what would you give to people whether it's artists or you know industry pros otherwise um to get out of this lockdown funk what's the first thing that you want to get into starting again gigs obviously yeah <laughs> I want to go to gigs. I want to start touring. I want to start traveling again. Um, I think that's going to be so important, but I think there is a huge part of that aspect that needs to be said of like, that's going to make most of us really anxious Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go back into gigs. And Mm. I think 
it's really important to be transparent of like say my experience when I first went back to a gig at Stay Gold it was lower capacities and I knew what I was walking into but I remember standing at the front of the room like the at the doors and just mm. being like I need to breathe yeah <laughs> it seems like too many people <laughs> it was only like 60 yeah, exactly exactly so I think it's really important um for people to know that that's just going to be normal for most of us um but yeah gigs I think also um breaking down that barrier that we find in lockdowns of it not being able to record music videos and um just record in general will be so nice um, and practicing because it's really, really hard to release music or create um, music to release in the middle of lockdowns. I've had some bands that have thrived from it and really made some amazing content. Um, surprisingly a lot cheaper than we would have if we weren't in lockdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's such a slog and so many of my bands have had to spend so many more hours than necessary <laughs> to be trying to make it work in lockdown. So I'm really looking forward to us having like a streamlined approach um, for that and getting out there and being able to properly release this music and go and play shows and um, find a space next year that is a thriving music industry as much as yes. we can mm. with all the changes that will happen. And that includes like, you know, touring um, interstate and all those changes, but then also when international tours come back, how that's going to change our, ho- our whole ecosystem for the last two years mm. um, and the effect that that's going to have on bands. Like they'll, we, we will be going from selling out shows to, potentially not and I I think there'll be a very interesting shift between bands that were climbing up the ladder incredibly quickly and then realizing that they actually are now having to go back down a few more rungs (laughs) (laughs) that's so true yeah because there's so much more competition so um yeah I don't, that doesn't really answer your COVID blues uh, question, <laughs> but definitely gigs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just quickly going back, that's been probably one of like my favorite things to come from the pandemic is seeing all the different creative ways, um, like the ways artists have adapted to being in the pandemic and just the things that uh, they're creating, which they might not have created post uh, pre-COVID. Mm. Um like a like a, uh, putting together music videos um, from their bedrooms or like from old tour footage and stuff. Um, that's been the best thing, I think, hundred percent. Like being able to look outside the box of what uh, is usually done and seeing, well, how can we do this to make it work with what we're stuck with? Yeah, yeah, and transparently. So hard to do, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it is so hard, and and p- particularly because, like, yeah, one hundred percent. It's um, you know, taking bedroom shots and tour stuff, and tour stuff is a lot easier because you can only get that shot once. Mm. But when you're looking at branding and the level of um, 
the level of branding that you're trying to achieve each time you release, like obviously it has to match the music and how much bigger it's getting. It is so much harder the bigger the band gets to make something DIY because mm-hmm. it just looks like a, a DIY. And, yeah. 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 and you're like, that doesn't align with the brand anymore. Oh no. <laughs> Revamp. Yeah. And um, it has meant that we've had to um, take concepts, run with it and do it for like two weeks and then go, no, I don't think we should do this anymore. Yeah. Scrap it all. So it's... um. It's a lot of trial and error. Yeah, Yeah. I can imagine it would be a different kind of pressure because, like you said, people have been able to do things cheaper a lot of the time because they've been forced to. Um, But then I guess the it's less financial pressure and more pressure to make it look as good as it can otherwise. Yeah, and somebody is on the back end of doing that, Um, like Stefan from Snark, he put his hand up to make um, the their music current music video mm. um the the version that we're currently aiming to release we'll see <laughs> if we do. um but he he basically sort of put together one of their previous ones and we sort of found that it worked well but we're going with a different concept this time and it's he's had to put in so many hours he works full-time for a bank mm. um as it is and then he's you know staying up till 4 a.m like like cutting all these um clips and color grading and stuff mm. and he's just like I'm just done like well. and, and to, to the point now which you know sometimes it's not very helpful for this to happen but he's like just don't ask me to edit anything else like <laughs> this is just what you're getting and I'm like but, but like you send it to us for feedback and I have feedback <laughs> I'm just trying to do my job <laughs> you want it later yeah it does it does make it a lot harder um for me to do my job in that aspect when they are doing it themselves because they're so much closer to it and when Mm. I say something shit it's actually them being shit so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you're a savage jazz (laughs) (laughs) um so what would you say to an artist or maybe a wannabe artist manager looking to get started in the industry? What kind of advice would you give to um, to get their names out there? <laughs> you've so you've roboted on us, Gabby. <laughs> no. All right, you, you asked the last question just in case my audio fucks up again. <laughs> I got, I got okay. you muted before. I don't know if you noticed, but... um. You go, you finish it off just so, for editing reasons, so it's easier. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll try that again. What would you say to either an artist or a wannabe manager looking to get started in the industry and how could they get their name out there? God, you girls have some loaded questions. Good job. That's the job, yeah. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> think here. Um, we got to give you the questions beforehand so you can write an essay for us. Just, yeah. yeah. Some dot points at least. Yeah. God. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, artists definitely get help from the get-go. Um, and by help, I mean question how much money you want to spend on the release and get a PR agent if they're into it, Um, spend money on digital marketing, um, boosting careers, all that sort of stuff, you know, work with a 
a, an artist manager to help guide you if that's what you think will help. Um, I think you need to, there's obviously that age old saying of like, you've got to invest money to make money. Um, And I personally have found that the artists that I work with that release their debut singles with me have found the most value from creating, like putting in money to myself and PR and digital marketing straight off the bat um, because we actually get media contacts and Spotify plays and all that sort of thing straight off the bat which then helps create a media story for the next time you mm. have a release. Yeah. Um, so I always find that's really important and always stay on social media as much as you can and have a voice basically, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you're a solo artist, like you need to have your own voice. Um, and then for an artist manager, I would say, I hate this <laughs> network. Yep. <laughs> I personally, whenever anybody used to say to me, oh, you need to network, I'd be like, thanks, Ugh. where do I do that? <laughs> yeah, help me. Help me more How? than that, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, when I first started, networking was not something I was, ob- like, aware I was doing. It's just sort of yeah. networking at the start is basically just connecting with other bands and connecting with the people that are around them. And yeah. if they're from the industry, great, do that. Um, if they're not, you just have some amazing friends that you're connecting with. Mm. Um, it's professional socialising. Exactly. Yep. And everybody becomes besties, yep. which makes uh, going back into gigs in after COVID um, really interesting because everybody comes up to you and gives you a hug and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally really into it. But as we said, it's like that first like 10 minutes within the venue, you're like. <laughs> 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 um, and I think, yeah, basically trying to figure out whether you want to be a manager who works for somebody else or a manager that works for yourself is really key because, um I think that there's a, there's a part of me that probably could have worked for somebody else, um, but I find such a huge um, value in my autonomy and knowing that I've built something that I'm really proud of um, and having those connections and relationships with my clients and that I'm in charge of that um, from the get-go is really important for me. Um, and I think yeah, linking that with your networks, it's it's a slow process and at times it's going to feel like you probably could quit and nobody will notice. Um, but, you know, I'm now going to gigs now and brandos are just being like, hey, Jazz, I know of you. And yeah, like, I think I did that oh. to you once. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> but at first I just go, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think personally, it was. Even if I had met you and, like, I've, or I've seen your face, around, I never remember names. I'm so bad. So usually I, like, start chatting to the person. I'm like, what have you been up to? And then they give me a hint. I'm like, that's yeah. how I know them. But yeah. I still can't remember their name. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, good I to think see you, girly. I, yeah, I think I started it like I approached you. It, it was in Stay Gold not long before everything got shut down, shut down. Um, mm. And I was like, Jazz. And I, and I said who I was to you straight away because I know, for one, my name is fucking weird and people never know how to say it. So I get in first. Yeah. And two, she probably won't know who I am. We haven't actually met. <laughs> 
the best part of the, the music industry and also social media now though is sort of yeah. you can know somebody or know of somebody without even knowing them. And I think, you know, the, I, I love being really approachable. I love that, you know, people like yourself felt like they could come up to me. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the parts of the industry that I struggle with in regards to networking is that people as they get higher up, they start to seem like they're, like not within your reach to to connect with. Um, And I think two really good examples of that is like Ash Hull and um, Josh, who's at Grayscale. Like Ash Hull, lovely, lovely human being. He's so kind. He'll have any time of like what feels like any time of day for you. Um, Well, at least he does for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the impression he gave me anyway. Um, And then Josh, like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he's a Triple J presenter as well or whatever, but I've just never been able to personally pluck up the courage to go and meet him. Um, And the concept that he probably knows who I am, but that just that concept just blows me away. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I, I love that people now seem to know me without me having to have actually done any work. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Cause like the reason I was at Stay Gold is because I worked on the door for ages and I, I've worked on the door at a lot of venues and I had to like get the balls because I see names on these lists. Then I'm like, what? You're coming here? I get to let you in? What's happening here? And I have to just like get the balls to be like, hey, I know who you are. Can we do something here? Because that happened with Josh. He came through one night and I was like, you're Josh, right? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, can we? I have a podcast. Can we chat to you? And he's like, absolutely. We still haven't. But (laughs) by the way, the offer is still on the table, Josh, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) But like, Jamil definitely wears the pants in our podcast relationship. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) I'm terrible. Terrible with going up to people. I'm like, Jamil, can you go um, say hello? (laughs) But I think, you know, what's really important, like, really interesting about that is because um, I sort of used to be the same. I I really still struggle to go up to people, particularly when, like, I had this whole thing about going up to people at gigs because. I personally, if I'm watching a band and somebody comes up in the middle of the set, I'm like, do not talk to me. Yeah. The band's on the, like the band's on stage, unless I know them as besties or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't want to ever like annoy them because they're here to have a good time and not talk about business. Yeah. But I have been trying to go with an ethos or like a rule of trying to meet at least one new person every time I go to a gig, um, whether they be industry or not. And it's surprising the more people that you know, even if they're like just friends and they have nothing to do within the industry or they like one person, Chris Samos, um, he is a um like front of house engineer and he works with a lot of my bands and he's such a good person. He's so lovely and such a nice guy. And so I think the last gig that I went to, um, I was walking out and I was like, Oh my God. Hi. So good to see you. And then I met three of his friends after that. And like, I think one of them ended up being in this really like big band. Another person was sort of like an engineer and all that sort of stuff. So they were actually like all really good people to know. Yeah. And 
um, you know, I um, don't know if you guys find this at all, but I think being a female within the industry, I definitely do feel like in those situations I need to prove what I know. Yep. And um, thankfully that was easy because I was the manager in that um, position <laughs> and I was the only manager. On the bus, um, yeah. we were talking with, like I was talking with Chris a lot about um, bad juju and what we were, we were planning. Um and I could see their faces and I could see them go from, oh, she's just some chick that, you know, Chris yeah. knows who this chick actually knows what she's talking about. Yeah. And that was really, really nice. <laughs> I think I need to set myself that goal as well. Yeah. Mm. It's really, really helpful. And it does just trickle down and you'd, you'd be surprised about who knows who in the industry. Um, even they're just, even if they're just randos and good, good fans or whatever. Yeah. I can do it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you just take a moment and you go, <gasps> yes. Oh, Hello, my name is Kelly. I literally have to go, okay. And it's usually like in the middle of a, like a, a female bathroom or something like yeah. that. Like, take a breath and you can do this. Okay, let's go meet Josh. <laughs> I, my favourite was I um. Again, just before everything got shut down, um, when Vatic played at Stay Gold, and again, that's another that's another band that Dylan from Reside is in, and mm. I spotted him, and I couldn't. I turned up. I wasn't working that night, so I turned up like half late to the set, and I was like, "Hang on a minute." I didn't even know who Vatic was at that point. I was like, "That looks like Dylan. What the fuck is going on?" And then I was sitting outside, and he came out the door, and I was like. <laughs> Dylan <laughs> like one I wasn't sure if it was him two if it is fuck um because <laughs> we had met like five second ten second intervals previously apart from our interview with them online mm. um and I went I was like Dylan and he didn't hear me and I was like Dude, fuck I have to do it again <laughs> Dylan <laughs> And then he came over and like eventually clicked to who I was and then we spent the rest of the night hanging out at the retreat and we're like mates now and it's just it's taking that moment to just like go yeah you know what we're both human fuck it yeah exactly <laughs> Gabby's like anxiety yeah, yeah. I'm sweating Gabby. just talking Everybody about it everybody's human yeah sweating <laughs> and you're probably I know. all feeling that as well grow up Gabby grow up <laughs> no I'm doing it I'm doing it and, doing and it. also I think it's really important to to note particularly because you guys have your own podcast your like other people's perception of you is probably a lot higher than your own perception of yourself. <laughs> so you probably feel like a nobody. I still feel like a nobody, but people are actually genuinely starting to think that I'm actually a somebody now. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, so. I have social standing. <laughs> oh, I hate the thought of people perceiving me. <laughs> Do not perceive me. This is my last reason. one. I'm actually done, guys. I'm stepping away. Um, thank you There's so much. There's a reason it's yeah. a podcast and not like a TV show or something. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden the headline is Jazz Yates breaks up band podcast. <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this podcast. 100%. Homewrecker, amazing artist manager. <laughs> oh, no, um, I literally feel like I've learned so much just from talking to you. So, um, oh. Bless. I'll that do my best. So I'll do my best to implement it. <laughs> and now that things are opening up, I'll force you to say hello to her next time we see her out. 
Yeah, and you'll have to come to me. Yeah, yeah. Don't come up to us at all. Just ignore our existence yeah. altogether. Yeah. And, and, and please leave us your name. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> at least now that we've done faces for at least an hour, I'll be able to. I'll be better. I'll remember. <laughs> all right. Done. Done. Sold. Easy. Okay. Um, well, that's all we've got for our cues. Um, the last thing to go through, I don't know if you've made notes or what, is um, your top three Aussie acts. Yes, I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I had to really think when you asked this if, if my top three were actually Australian. Yeah. Um, so the first one would be Vera Blue. Yeah. Beautiful. I just bloody love her. Yep. I saw her um, when she did the symphony orchestra. Mm. Um, and I've also seen her in like a normal show. I think I'm going to be controversial here and say I liked the normal show better. Yeah. Um, but that was partly because. Because it's, it's just her voice, you know, rather than like it being drowned, well, not drowned out, but um, I guess at normal shows she shines through probably a bit more than rather with a whole symphony. Yeah. I think uh, for me what the. Um, the barrier was was because at the symphony orchestra you were so far away from her mm. and the only entertainment of the whole experience was um, the players on stage and her singing, mm. um, whereas the show that I saw of hers you could get up and dance and go from the back of the the venue to the front. But then, you know, she was dancing and singing and she even had this really cool section where she like had these light up drums where it was like sort of like above her head and she was like drumming. Oh, cool. That is so cool. Um, (laughs) And you could feel it as well. Like the, the, at the, um, the place where we saw, I think it was Hamer Hall. Um, You couldn't, the acoustics were obviously done to a point where you can't, feel it and you can't you don't need yeah. ear, uh, earplugs yeah um whereas where I saw her live I think whoa, where would it have been 170 Russell maybe um and yeah it was just amazing you can feel the music come at you which I personally as you can tell love yeah uh, <laughs> oh that just so, made me miss gigs so much hearing <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. that <laughs> um so yeah that would might be my first one um, my second one would be Jaguar Jones mm-hmm. um, and more so because of just how much, much of like a boss babe she's been at the moment in regards to um, the music industry and having a voice about different um, topics that we're sort of being faced with um, mm. and how much that's really played in with her brand and her music and where she's um sort of marketing herself as like it's it's a part of who she is yeah um and her music which is really fantastic and I think it's taking a really bad negative situation which you know I'm assuming might be quite multiple situations that she's experienced as well um and turning them into something that's actually amazing and really beneficial for so many people um and then my third one I want to say one of my artists. Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't want them to start creating a hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite child. Yeah. It's like already stuck in that Gigi joke about being rivals. And um, particularly because uh, Bad Juju had a song called Pressure, apparently, 
um, or has a song that they released ages ago and um, Snark just released a song about pressure. Uh, oh, pressure. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, and so they're like, who did it better, Jazz? And I'm like, no comment. <laughs> I'm staying out of it. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think I love all my artists. I work with a, a solo artist called Mary Golden who has such a beautiful um a beautiful voice and she creates lyrics that are really meaningful um, and sort of show a journey of hardship and like what she's gone through, but how also she's sort of grown from that um, is really fascinating to watch. Um, but then I, I, I struggle because I'm working on a release of Bad Juju and with Snark at the moment, they're both releasing the, at the end of this year and Oh my god, they're so good. <laughs> um, even just down to the branding for Bad Juju, like we're like tilting into like um, Halloween and like making that the whole focus. Yeah. Um, so it's such a vibe, and it's all orange, which I'm loving. <laughs> so if if my final pick can be all of my artists, that'd be great. That's fine. We <laughs> had it can. we had uh, one of our first episodes. We had uh, Jess Hope and Jay Wennington come on, and Jay listed about sixty different artists by the end of it. So it was the last hour of that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, please stop now. Yeah. <laughs> Not stuff. He was like this one and 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 then ten minutes later, oh, and this one. Oh, no. <laughs> it's yeah, great. I, um, I feel like I must be watching too many like TikToks or reels because all I can think of is that um, reel at the moment that's like I understood the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I can't even do that because I still didn't think through. <laughs> I did not understand the assignment. <laughs> Well, more likely, Simon is just too small, guys. With, um, <laughs> directions unclear, dick stuck in ceiling fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, All right, uh, Jazz, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting to us. We're so happy that we could finally get this organised yep. after who knows how many months. It's mm, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think April was the first contact, like the first email we had with you and it's, oh my God. it's October. Thank you so. so much for your persistence. We appreciate yeah. it so much. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, Please, you know, <laughs> we, we, we're organised. Remember, we totally got it to happen. <laughs> it happened in the end. That's all that matters. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, if you're an artist just starting out or maybe need a bit of direction, definitely check out Jazz's website, uh, JY Management Group. Uh, check out all the awesome um, awesome bits and pieces that she's got on there. She's also just started a podcast, uh, which is, you know, for you guys, um, you young artists, young industry professionals. It's called Your Music, Your Business. Um, check it out after you listen to this episode. Um, and, yeah. Thank you so much for chatting Thank to us, you. Jazz. It's been so much fun. It has been. Such good laughs. De- definitely what I needed. <laughs> On a Sunday night, yeah. yeah. <laughs> An awesome way to start uh, coming back into the, the real world, I guess. Mm. I mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the final countdown. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. I'm going to go make dinner. So. Yes, oh, my God. <laughs> I've been needing idea. to wee for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It's so lovely to sort of get to know you guys a little bit more. And we'll definitely have to 
connect and chat a bit more. Yeah. And if you have anybody who is looking for an internship, let me know because I'm looking Ooh. for an intern. Ooh. Awesome. Okay, cool. Even if it's you guys, just come, just come hang. I <laughs> 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 do. Uh, well, cool. enjoy your evenings, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, same. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. See ya. Bye.